The sounds of battle can be heard from the tent. They fill the air with noise, a cacophony of clashing swords, cannon fire, fearsome war cries, and groans of agony. Inside, an old man lies on a cot. He's dying, but his heart longs to be out on the battlefield, leading his men to victory. It's what he's done countless times since assuming the throne 44 years prior, but now he's too weak to even stand. Knowing the end is near, he implores Allah for a peaceful passing, one relatively free from pain and suffering. While he's at it, he also prays for his army's triumph, for to win would be the ultimate send-off. But he doesn't live to see his forces emerge victorious. For that same day, September 6th, 1566, Sultan Suleiman of the Ottoman Empire, known to posterity as Suleiman the Magnificent, dies of natural causes at the age of 71. Two days later, the Janissaries, the elite force of Ottoman Turkish troops, capture the fortress and town of Shigadvar in Hungary, incorporating it into the empire their now deceased leader and his predecessors had fought so hard to build. Unbeknownst to any of the soldiers at the time, the passing of their great and beloved Sultan marks the end of an era, the veritable golden age of Ottoman culture and history, and triggers a slow decline, one that will last for another three and a half centuries before it ultimately collapses in the wake of World War I. Just who was Suleiman the Magnificent? What accomplishments did he achieve during his reign? And how did his reign usher in the greatest period of Ottoman history? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and Hosh Geldin, or welcome, to part one of Suleiman the Magnificent, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. The land we now know as Turkey has gone by many names throughout the centuries. In essence, a large peninsula that separates the Mediterranean and Black Seas, the ancient Greeks referred to it as Anatolia, or Eastern Land in their language. The Romans referred to it as Asia Minor, or Asia Minor, meaning Little Asia in Latin, a reference to the relatively tiny speck of land that served as the gateway to the massive and mysterious interior of the Asian continent. It was also home to many great civilizations, from the mythic Trojans to the Hittites, as well as the Lydians. Even older than these, the land we now call Turkey gave rise to what's considered the earliest religious site in human history at Gebekli Tepe, but arguably the greatest and most important culture to have called this rugged yet fertile peninsula home were the Turks, who didn't even arrive there until about a thousand years ago. In the 11th century, what was then referred to as Anatolia was populated namely by the Greeks. The western half of the Roman Empire, which had fallen some six centuries prior, had given way to the feuding societies of medieval Europe, while the eastern half, then known as the Byzantine Empire, continued to thrive under various Greek emperors. This empire was the cultural light of Europe in those tumultuous times, and, unlike their former western subjects, enjoyed an age of great peace and prosperity. But to the east, a new power was emerging. In 1037, the Seljuk Empire was established in what's now Iran by a Turkoman chieftain named Abu Talib Muhammad Tuhril ibn Mikail, known simply as Tuhril, and his brother, Abu Suleiman Dawud Chahri Beg ibn Mikail, shortened to just Chahri. From their ancestral homelands near the Adal Sea in present-day Kazakhstan, they and their people had swept down into the Iranian plateau and laid waste to each village, town, and city they had come upon, consolidating them under a single banner. By the end of the 11th century, their empire stretched from eastern Anatolia to the west, to China's doorstep in the east, and showed no signs of stopping. It was during this period of unprecedented expansion that the Byzantine Greeks had their first run-ins with these Turkic invaders. For a time, they were able to keep the foreigners at bay, and when the Seljuk Empire finally fell at the tail end of the 12th century, it appeared that the crisis had been diverted. Little did they know, however, that an even greater empire would be born from its ashes, one whose legacy can still be felt up to the present day. 
Following the Seljuk Empire's demise, its fractured territories in eastern Anatolia became a series of independent states ruled over by Turk chieftains. These principalities were known as Beyliks, and would sometimes clash with one another over land or political disputes. Our story begins in one such Beylik, located in the Bithynia region of northern Anatolia, along the shores of the Black Sea. Ruled over by one Osman I, his people were comprised of fellow Turks like himself, as well as rogue and renegade Byzantine Greeks, the latter of whom were mostly, though not entirely, converts to Islam. By the late 13th century, Osman had begun eyeing neighboring lands with increasing interest. For you see, he was ambitious, and not content to rule over a simple backwater on the Black Sea coast. He began by traveling along the banks of the Sakarya River, the longest in Anatolia, and conquered each Byzantine town he and his men came upon. These conquests, naturally, led to a Byzantine pushback in an attempt at securing their lands from this new threat, culminating in the Battle of Baphius in 1302. But Osman and his forces prophetically emerged victorious, and within a century of his death, the Turks had managed to capture much of Anatolia, and even ventured further west into the Balkans, itself a Turkish name, meaning wooded mountains. Thus a new Turk empire was born, one whose name was derived from that of its first ruler, the Ottoman Empire. By the time Suleiman the Magnificent was born in the northern Turkish city of Trabzon on November 6, 1494, eight sultans had already ruled the Ottoman Empire. In that time, its territory had greatly expanded, though it was still only a fraction of what it would become. They had managed to sack and conquer the Byzantine capital of Constantinople in 1453, bringing an end to the eastern remnant of the Roman Empire nearly a thousand years after its western counterpart had fallen. From there they had pressed on to Greece and secured the entire Peloponnesian Peninsula shortly thereafter. As it stood, it flanked two continents, Asia and Europe, but would, under his father's reign, extend into a third, Africa. Born to Prince, later Sultan Shehzadeh Selim, and his wife Hafsa Sultan, a Muslim convert of unknown origin, the young Suleiman was sent, at the age of seven, to be educated at the famed schools of the Topkapi Palace in Istanbul, formerly Constantinople, where he received a well-rounded education in a wide range of subjects, including literature, history, science, theology, and military strategy. It was here in his early teens that he befriended a young slave named Pargala Ibrahim, a Muslim of Greek ancestry, who would not only become his closest friend, but also serve as his most trusted advisor during his reign. At 17, Suleiman was appointed his first leadership position as governor of Kaffa, now Feodosia in the Crimea, followed by gubernatorial stints in Manisa and Edirne. The way to the throne was all but paved for him. When, in 1512, his father, now dubbed Selim I, or Selim the Resolute, became Sultan. Though a short reign of just eight years, Selim did more to expand the empire's borders than any of his predecessors had. Having emerged victorious in a conflict against the neighboring Mamluk Sultanate of Egypt in 1517, he increased Ottoman territory by a staggering 70%. The spoils of this war included the Holy Land, including Jerusalem, the Red Sea coast of Arabia, which would prove vital for trade with East Africa, South Asia, and the Far East, Egypt and the North African coast, stretching all the way to Morocco in the west, as well as the region of Arabia known as Hejaz, which famously includes two of Islam's holiest cities and pilgrimage sites, Mecca and Medina. This last possession in particular was of the utmost importance to the predominantly Muslim Ottoman Turks, for they now controlled these sacred pilgrimage routes and the cities to which they led, meaning that they themselves were now the defenders of the faith, the guardians of Islam. It was a stunning victory, but Selim would not live to bask in its glory, for on September 22, 1520, he was stricken with sickness during a military campaign and died at the age of 49, leaving Suleiman as his heir apparent. Summoned to Istanbul, the prince, at 26 years of age, was crowned sultan. 
A few weeks later, an envoy from Venice named Bartolomeo Contarini became the first European to provide a physical description and account of the new Ottoman sovereign. The Sultan is only 26 years old, tall and slender, but tough with a thin and bony face. Facial hair is evident, but only barely. The Sultan appears friendly, but in good humor. Rumor has it that Suleiman is aptly named, enjoys reading, is knowledgeable, and shows good judgment. This description may make the fledgling monarch appear humble, even meek, and therefore not much in the way of leadership, but such lofty words should have fooled neither Signore Contarini nor anyone who was present at the Sultan's coronation, for as quiet and contemplative as he may have been, Suleiman would more than prove himself as a formidable and great leader, one who would single-handedly usher in the Ottoman Empire's golden age. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. As I stated at the opening of this episode, this is just part one in a limited series on Suleiman the Magnificent, the greatest sultan in Ottoman history. Join me next week for part two, in which I explore his many military exploits. You won't want to miss out. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off for now. See you next Throwback Thursday for more on this most remarkable man and political figure, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us.